0: is a topic-based podcast so each episode we're going to tackle a different issue facing board games the people who play them and their industry our topic for today well we're going to investigate how much game you can pack into a small box hello hello again hello welcome to tabletop inquisition we've made it to another episode
1: Yay. yay episode six is it if I, sound correctly? <laughs> I know it's amazing
0: <laughs> i know right thank <laughs> still you if, going. thank you if you've still been here since episode one you get some sort of badge yeah. of honor <laughs> for sticking with us so
1: <laughs> far <laughs> you get a special badge
0: so how have things been with you, Oliver? What's you been up to lately? Um,
1: yeah, um, well, I've been, well, usual stuff, obviously, uh, working on the blog, the usual stuff there. Still trying to write articles on a Tuesday. Um, they're mm. more topic related. I don't know whether people do follow my blog. If you don't, please do. There's links in the description <laughs> of this yeah. podcast. Yep. Um and yeah, I'm always trying to think of some subjects, and and sometimes uh, I seem to hit the nail on the head, and sometimes mm. it you know is is uh, not quite so interesting. But oh. the last one I've I've written is about games for well at least three four players, uh, you know, bigger groups and mm. things like that, which I think is is a topic that um, doesn't really get covered very much. People like to pl- talk about well, actually. I was going to say people like to talk about solo games, but I don't think yeah. they do actually that much. Um, that's the other thing. It's, it seems to be a bit. Ooh. Undercovered. i mean more and more games do have solo options now but it's mm. still i think actually not um talked about a lot and then two player um again seems to be getting more and more popular but when you then come to three and four players obviously you get lots of games that way but when you then go into higher player counts five six seven and things like that i think it's it's a, another whole different ball game and uh, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd talk about those sort of things.
0: That's really cool. I find your blog really insightful. I like that you raise these kinds of questions. And it's funny, you know, because nobody ever talks really about games for like, you know, three, four, and five players and yeah. involved. Like I have a special shelf um, just with games that you can play with people beyond two, because I mostly play with two. Yeah. And it's a tough one, isn't it? When you have a group of people around trying to find something that works with everybody and also is, goes to those bigger player counts really well um it's so i think it's really important it's something we don't talk about a whole lot isn't it
1: yeah thank you yeah no as i said I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> it's one of those things you know I, i'm trying to follow twitter conversations and things like that and, and sometimes there's some inspiration mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's uh, it's quite fun to write about these things and you know having having looked at well i have never played solo games myself before but you know play with my wife mm-hmm. two-player games quite regularly and then obviously games mm-hmm. groups we have then you know four, four of us in total uh, and that works as well but again that's a different type of game and then going from two to f- say three or four players is actually a, a quite mm-hmm. a big step uh, and then going higher player counts changes dynamics even further so it's quite interesting how that shifts the gameplay
0: yeah it is it's definitely like a little piece that people don't i suppose discuss like on purpose you know the kind of why people talk about party games they go to like you know big player accounts and solo games and sometimes a game for two players but generally speaking that little bit in the middle where you have to deal with a bunch of people is something is something that i suppose we we should probably think about more. you know you don't lists of games for five players that's right <laughs> see yeah, Lists yeah. for solo games not for five players yeah. but um yeah that's really cool i, li- I like that you brought that thank you
1: up. thank you how about um, you then what have you been up to you've been quite busy filming and uh all sorts of things i, I can see I, I love watching your videos and <laughs> commenting on them and oh, uh trying to keep the conversation going do. there as well
0: <laughs> Oh, you're far too kind with all your comments. You're like my <laughs> number one supporter. <laughs> so, thank, 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 you so that's much. Right. No, yeah, I've been, been making plenty of videos. I've been having a, a really hard time finding a way to review games that I just bought myself and was playing at home that weren't um games sent to me to review specifically. So, because I, I put out a video once a week and I put out an unboxing video to go with it, but that's just, that's just for fun and i wanted to find something where i could just literally sit down and go i'm trying this game out i really like it i think you should know about it but here's not my full review because that takes time and effort yeah so <laughs> so i put it together what i'm calling the, the like an introduction series where i just sit down and i have a chat about the game and i cover some of the topics actually that people um, said they wanted to know about on twitter this is the first time i've had a bunch of kind of input from people and so i got kind of new sections and things to talk about it's crazy nerve-wracking because i don't have a script yeah So I literally, I said, like, I did it all in one take. Now, not that I have problems talking, but trying to keep everything on point and focused is kind of a, a hard job <laughs> you've done really um, well on top of that i've, I've been watching tv i, I think yeah. you've done
1: really well uh, certainly. i mean if <laughs> you, you've changed your setup now as well so you're sitting on the on mm. the armchair which is amazing i think it looks really <laughs> cool and then as i say this this video now where we're just talking about the game and i think it works really well it's mm. it's you know as you say it is a bit difficult just to talk off the cuff you know even with a podcast i think we're practicing yeah. this aren't we <laughs> mm. so yeah no i think you're doing really well
0: <laughs> yes we prepared yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. So yeah, so yeah, that, that's kind of what we've we've been up to. I love how it's all it. None of it says we were playing board games. No, no, we were creating content.
1: <laughs> well, that's what we do, isn't it? I yeah. guess that's what yeah. we're yeah. supposed to do. I think.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> is, yeah. true.
1: <laughs> well, sp- speaking about playing board games, then I think that leads nicely onto our next hmm. section of of the games we did play. So. Yay! you want to make a start with what you Excellent. have been playing
0: sure why not um i'm sure yes, yeah okay i, li- I like <laughs> talking about games there's no question here because um, i sat down to think about what games i'd be playing this month and i had to um refer to the i have a stats app on my phone do you ever use those kind of things to track I your don't, games
1: i I keep i used to have a, like a spreadsheet like a google sheet and you know record oh, our wow. games nights and things but it's i don't know it's a lot of effort and yeah I, i've <laughs> given up on that and you know just just enjoy playing them now
0: I, i'm a big fan Kind of the app for the phone because I always I always fill in what games we've played and kind of the scores and stuff like that and I find it really handy to know what games have actually been playing or I can look back to the different plays and find out you know who really won last yeah. time those kind of things I, I I quite like it a lot I'm kind of religious about it so the first thing I did when I figured out you know I was like what games did we play I had to go and look at my app so the first game that's kind of on my radar and I haven't shut up about for the entire month is um, Die Tavernen im Tiefenpalle yeah. Am I pronouncing that right? You're pronouncing <laughs> it very
1: well. I, I, I'm really impressed. Yay. I think you're probably one of the few reviewers and and you know YouTubers who actually do pronounce it correctly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that compliment. You know how I feel about German. No, you do really well. No, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, Top marks. That's good. So I think it means Taverns of the, the Deep Valley, something like that. Yeah, is well, it? apparently it's
1: actually a place name as well. So it's the name of a town or something. Ooh. So yes, you're right. It would okay. you know technically translate as, as the Deep Valley. But mm. I think it's also, yeah. uh, you know, is of the the place that's called that, so oh. don't know what the actual okay, cool. you know, history is.
0: Thank you for the insider. Information. That's, right. <laughs> that's That's fantastic. <laughs> so this is the, the the new hotness in my house, and it's by Wolfgang Warch, yeah. who you might know has published The Mind, which we both love, yeah. and the Quacks of Quiddlenburg. He's really on a roll this past year. He's just playing out amazing game after amazing yes. game. And when I saw this game about running your own tavern, I was I was sold. I didn't even I didn't even know how the game played or what was in the box. I was like. This this one, please. Yeah. And it is a super fun deck building dice drafting game. Um and you have your own little bar and you're trying to kind of upgrade your bar and get your patrons to come and visit you, and then whoever has the most points wins as as it goes. But it's it's really simple but really clever. And I love the fact that you have your own little bar. And the best thing about the entire game is everybody has a little beer mat to put their dice on. And when you're when you roll your dice, you put them on your beer mat and you pick one and then you pass ask them to your opponent okay um, yeah, yeah. And each little bear mat has like little scribblings on it so there's one with ha- someone playing hangman <laughs> there's one with someone playing x's and o's yeah. um and there's one with a stain i just think the components of the game are just so cute someone put a ton of effort oh, into brilliant. it i've been having so much yeah. fun playing with playing with it it's also the first game i've ever bought that was in another language so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the side i wonder when it'll come to english hopefully someday soon but thank god for a board game geek people who bother translating rules for people like me (laughs) so yeah so that's been the real kind of star of the month and then the second game we'll talk about before I like, before yeah, I take on. up like an entire <laughs> segment is one that came from Kickstarter. So um, I don't often get things from Kickstarter, so it was it was super exciting. I was like, oh, there's a game in my house. I can't even remember when we ordered this. So this is Space Explorers, and it comes from 20th, 25th century games. Some people may remember it because it's got this really cool retro art and the the reason we picked it actually is the game designer is the same guy who made a game called viceroy and that's a game that people don't talk about a lot but it's super super good you you draft tiles to build like a pyramid of tableau building um i'm terrible at it but my husband okay. loves it um i don't think he, i don't think he's ever lost but when we saw that um they he was making this other game space explorers we had to get involved yeah. and it's very much like a splendor game um basically you're recruiting people into your tableau um with matt symbols and so that you can complete space projects Okay. and um, it sounds really simple and it probably is but it's got a couple of little twists in it that make it really stand out so um i've been really really impressed with it because i don't really like games like splendor where you know you buy the thing to get the thing to buy the yeah, yeah. thing to get the thing but this one really just kind of it just takes it up a notch just a little bit enough to make it a bit different so that's mainly what i've been playing this month <laughs> i've been super exciting what about yourself?
1: Yeah, what well, I have been—I mean, I haven't played anything new. I mean, I have got a few things uh, Kickstarter that hopefully arrive very soon. We'll see. Um, but in the meantime, yeah. we're we're playing mm-hmm. the classics. So my wife and I have gone back to playing Wingspan again and really enjoying that. You know, two-player. It's, it's one of those games. You know, you you play it all the time, and it's it's quite fascinating how. Having played it so many times, how the different cards actually affect the sort of outcome as well, Uh, and I think we're sort of scores-wise, we're probably always quite close as well. You know, I don't think there's anyone who wins Mm -hmm. more than the other. But yeah, it's quite Mm -hmm. interesting how you know, depending on what birds come out, how different the final scores are so that the, the end scoring and various can can vary quite a bit and yeah, it's, i quite like that that you're sort of starting to explore the sort of different you know because you've got 140 different 150 different birds in mm-hmm. that it's it's just crazy you know it's only when you play it that many times that you sort of discover that the different combinations and things and you know you get your favorite birds after a while as well so yeah i'm really enjoying that and it's just such a beautiful game i mean it the you know presentation of it all the the quality of the components and everything and the gameplay is, is so straightforward it's it's just absolutely perfect so yeah I've been enjoying that with my wife and then Excellent. with my games group we've gone back into Terra Mystica <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and I think I don't know whether we had the discussion <laughs> oh, before but Terra Mystica to me was a game that Yeah, because of the theme, it just doesn't work for me. You know, if if I ignore Mm -hmm. the theme, I just see it as an abstract game, absolutely fine. But in my head, I just have to do that constant switch and go, right, okay, I'm not worried about terraforming or, you know, the cult track and whatever else. Uh, I just need to think, okay, I need to, you know, put this thing here to give me points there and move up this thing, which then gives me energy or, you know, the sort of magic thing and all that. But yes, you could all the theme, just look at it, you know, as more than an abstract game. And yeah, we've been playing it uh, three players now quite a few times and playing it online on Yakata as well with a few friends of mine. And yeah, really enjoying it now, starting to get used to different factions or different races and exploring those. Because again, it's one of those games that you know, if you play it only a few times, you don't really explore it fully, but now with the online gaming and mm. the games night, I think we, we get through quite a few games now, which is great. So you start to explore different factions and you know, how to play them differently and, and how they work and all that. So that was really good. Really enjoyed that. Oh. And then yeah. one more thing, just to round off the evening, what we've been doing is, you know, play The Mind again. You know, so we, we've, we yeah, free player. Yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> it's again it's you, you get the deck out and you think yeah well it's gonna be boring and then you know so often you just have these cards so close no one can talk we just look at each other and and suddenly we're playing you know these three four five cards in a row c- correctly uh, you know they're all close together and mm. you're just laughing and you know can't believe how it works so Aww. yeah that's still a favorite and it's still a lovely yeah. you know quick little filler game so really enjoy that
0: Aww you have excellent choice in games (laughs) thank
1: you yeah Yeah. (laughs) terra mystica is a bit of a surprise i suppose as i say we, we thought we'd never played again after we played originally i don't know Quite a few years ago, when when a friend of mine bought it originally, and and he loves it, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah. you know me and another friend just mm-hmm. just didn't get on with it for various reasons, and then you know started playing it again now, and you just have to sort of a, a sort of step back and overcome your uh, the things you don't like about it and see mm-hmm. it more for the mechanisms, and it yeah. is it's it is as I say, if you, if it's an abstract game, it's a really yeah. good game. There's some things you have to sort of. Mm-hmm. K to four, I think, is how we played with the variable uh, victory points um, to start with. So different factions get more points at the beginning or less points, and then also variable turn Mm -hmm. order. And I think then it works really well. and, And you know, we ended up having quite close points in all the games we've been playing. So it, it, you know, it really works.
0: That's really, really good. Awesome. Actually, there's one more game I did play this month that I'd love to bring up because it is just, it is the most fun. Have you ever played Wits and Wagers? I heard
1: about it, but never played it. No.
0: This is from North Star Games. And it is like what I call the ultimate party game or the ultimate icebreaker. If somebody comes to the house and they've never played games before and that did happen, this is the first thing I take out. And what it basically is, is a trivia game with impossible answers so the idea is it'll ask you you know what year was the first email sent okay and everyone goes uh no one really knows the answer but what you do is you make a guess and then you bet on who you think has the best answer or who is the cl- or who is yeah. the closest to the real answer? So you have this entire pile of impossible questions, <laughs> and everyone just trying to guess and sort it out. And then, so even if you're doing terribly and you've no clue what's going on, you can bet on somebody else going. I bet he knows right, the yeah, answer yeah. to that um, and guess their way around it. And it is just so much. Fun. Fun. I wish I'd people it's a kind of a game you need a couple of people for so I don't get to play it as often as I would like. But the minute I have a group here or new players, that's the one I pull out. And I always have so much fun oh, with brilliant. it. Yeah. Every, everybody everybody'll fold around laughing. So I have yeah, I just should, should throw that in at the end. Good at wits and wages. Right, writing it down now. Wits and wages. <laughs> wits and wages. <laughs> like I reminds you get the kind same kind of vibe as you get with the mind, because it's almost like you're you're collectively trying to yeah. get the right answer because you can bet on everyone else's answer. So you get that real feeling oh my god you yeah, got it right yeah, yeah. you know or you were yeah. you were so close it's, it's really nice like that it's really really fun um so yeah more people should come to my house so i can play more Wits and <laughs>
1: right here's the invitation <laughs> email to <laughs> yes, email to below so <laughs> <laughs> sort of out yeah
0: yeah yeah my address is <laughs> <Yeah>. okay cool <laughs> it's fantastic oh well, will we move on to the next portion
1: uh, i was gonna say that wraps up this section and we're moving on to gay terminology <laughs> So, yeah, moving on to game terminology. Yes. Um, we've got another three terms, which you, people who have listened to this, will obviously you have read in the description already, so they know what, what's coming up. Yes. But I um, always like this selection of yes. uh, terms. I think it's nice because sometimes we don't even know what they mean really until we read <laughs> the definition.
0: Shh, don't let them know.
1: Well, you know. but
0: <laughs> We know everything about board games all of the time.
1: <laughs> don't doubt yourself. That's true. Okay, fine. Let's, that's, that's, <laughs> let's go with that. Let's go with that. We're the okay, experts. yeah, yeah. We're very good at this. (laughs) So yes, for those people who might have forgotten, we're going to have three terms and both Antoinette and I will basically describe what we think, what that term means, and then we're going to read out the board game geek definition and then Mm -hmm. sort of discuss what we think of that and maybe even describe some games that fall into that category. Oh, yes. So today we're starting with dexterity games. Antoinette what is your definition of dexterity <laughs> games
0: ah interesting okay so my definition of dexterity <laughs> games all right here we go i wrote this i wrote the sentence while thinking deeply so a, okay. game, a game which tests your physical skills to determine the victor. And then my examples were by like flicking things or stacking things. And then I ran out of ideas, <laughs> <laughs> but I got that far. But I do have some really, really good examples, I think, of whatever, of dexterity games, because I, I seem to have a desire for many of them, but don't own that many. Okay. So my first example actually is going to be one I reviewed, and this is Flick Fleet from Eurodice Games. Um, yep. And that's a really cool game where you get to flick around tiny ships on the big board. Um, and it's a much bigger game than I think you'd think a dexterity game might be. Normally when you think about them, you think about things like maybe Maple Circus where you stack apples yeah, yeah. and stuff on top of each other or Ice Cool where you flick penguins around the little map. Yeah. And then there's things like Junk Art where you stack wooden pieces on top of each other and make pieces of art which is also really yeah, cool. Yeah. And there's also Flip Ships. This I do own and I'm a big fan of it where you have to flip a pog-shaped ship around and take down enemies alien invaders or try and hit the mothership that's really really fun (laughs) so i can think of lots of these despite not owning many of them but i think most people though kind of dexterity games means obviously using your hands yeah i think in some way to manipulate the the game Ta-da! I
1: was, uh, very good definition <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i can follow that really oh, um, no i was going to say there's probably the definition is it's obviously in the word dexterity meaning you know using your hand so it is mm-hmm. about that and there's a hand eye coordination it's, it's obviously quite a different mm-hmm. type of game usually mm-hmm. but yeah it, it could be stacking it could be balancing it could be flicking it could be otherwise moving you're basically manipulating <laughs> something with your hands i mean yeah. sort of classic things like jenga you know those oh, those yeah. sort of games. That's that's the classic. I would Guess say you know even uh, football. Those sort of games as well are dexterity Ooh, games. You know they, these are all the, the classics that maybe I've grown up as you know as a kid. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't really add anything to your definition. Um, I think you've covered it all. Modern games, dexterity games that I yeah. think of are things like catacombs and castles. Ooh, that's that probably. A, you know, that's adding a bit more ideas. So you're not just flicking uh, wooden pieces on on the on a board. Um, you you have obstructions as well, but you also then have cards that basically give that piece uh, Certain abilities, so you know, yeah. you might be able to do a double attack, or you might be able to just move and then attack. So you have to do certain combinations of movements and things. So it adds mm. a bit more level to the just the dexterity element. But you are right; I mean, sense. it's it's quite a different beast of games uh, to what we probably normally talk about, and and I, I reckon they're underrepresented mm. in this industry. Really, there, there should be a lot I more than.
0: Mm, there's been a good few, I think, come out in recent years, or at least I've seen more than maybe I'm just becoming more aware that they exist because it's something I would never have occurred to me yeah. to think of for board games. Um, I like your point about hand-to-eye coordination. I don't have any of that, which explains why I'm terrible <laughs> at pretty much all yeah. of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's important stuff, but you're right. Yeah, you're surprised there isn't more, especially with Jenga being so popular. I can't yeah. believe I didn't even think of Jenga or foosball, actually, for that reason. I, I think yeah, I, I I went mean, straight it, into modern board games.
1: exactly. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd bring up the classics but yeah it's 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 you know those things that say I think we've all grown up with them and probably not realized that that we've been playing them and you know it's Mm. and maybe that's why they're not that popular because as I've seen as of child games and and party games that are you know usually frowned frowned upon and I don't think that's fair I think there's you know a lot of fun in them so
0: do you think we can actually talk about games and like ring toss or as well as a yeah, dexterity yeah. game, or like darts.
1: Yeah, are, if, I, if we're going to go
0: down the sports route, or games you can of play course. on a lawn.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that that leads into sports. I think there are dexterity games, really. It
0: does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I suppose football is a dexterity game. <laughs> it,
1: is, it is really. I think I made the point in one of my articles about. I mean, it was supposed to be a bit of a half of a joke, but snooker <laughs> is a tabletop dexterity game, really. You know, if you it is, think about it, pool, it is. snooker, yes. and all those things. <laughs>
0: You're really right. Like, how is that any different from something like um have you seen Clask? Yep. It's kinda yeah, yep. like the of, yep. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, a the little magnetic board and you move the things yep. around. Like, how is that any different from Snooker? Really?
1: Oh <laughs> air hockey, it's the same sort of idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm watching Favor games on TV with Jimmy yeah, White. Exactly. You no, know, wow, it's <laughs> I think that
1: should be included, but anyway.
0: okay so what what what, what what's board game geek got to say let's see what it says it actually is and will it include snooker
1: yeah well i don't think it does (laughs) but the official definition and there weren't any examples Mm. of games but they're basically saying action slash dexterity games so they're obviously including the idea of action as well they often compete Mm -hmm. players physical reflexes and coordination as a determinant of overall success
0: I don't know if I agree with that because you can win a lot of these games without any skill or coordination. Mm. Sometimes you can just look into physical things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if you've played any of those flicking games, like I can't I can't like I can't aim, but you can oh randomly, yeah, yeah. you know, hit the thing you want to. Or the other one we forgot about. Flick them up. There we go. Flick them up. You know, where you have to actually aim at things. Um. So, yeah, I wonder, like, can, can you randomly, you can look into these kind of victories. I think, I, I think anyway.
1: that they certainly have a certain luck element in there. And, and again, there's also then some yeah. games that include some strategy elements as well. So it's not just then necessarily about dexterity, but you can also see old, mm. smart people. So, that, you know, I think Catacombs and Castles has some of that I- idea of that you might be really good at, yeah. at hitting the target, but if you don't have the right, you know, characters they have the right ability, you know someone can still outsmart you so yeah i I don't think it's just the only determinant i wrote down a little fun fact apparently there is a unique oh. word game called dexterity. Oh,
0: cool. So uh, you're supposed to,
1: was it say, uh, your ability to f- uh, form interesting, unique, and provocative words and to play intelligently uh, is highlighted here. So I, I don't know what, <laughs> I've, I've not heard of this game, but I thought that's interesting that there's a word game that's called dexterity. Latin. But I guess using your brain in a sort yeah. of way, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's dexterity. Like in that sense, you're talking about dexterity with language. Yeah. So maybe being able to think the box and I stuff like so. that and with dexterity games you often do have to do that because it's not always a straight it's flicking at something like for especially with the stacking games you have to yeah. tactically decide where it goes or come up with a a, a unique way to approach yeah. it so yeah dexterity board game this mm. is interesting
1: so so i'll bring that in there
0: <laughs> is it available <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. If, yeah if you still see if you
1: buy it i haven't looked that up yet so We'll have to check that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that was cool. That's dexterity. um I really do like dexterity games. I really wish I had more of them. I think they're just so much fun. They are. Yeah. Um, yeah you definitely. kind of want a good. I think you kind of want a good couple of people to play them with you to really make them fun. You know, where everybody's failing it, at yeah. something miserably way more entertaining. Exactly. <laughs> so the second definition then we'll get to this and this is one of my favorite phrases to hear about board games is tableau building. So Oliver, what do you think tableau building is?
1: <laughs> right, tableau. Yeah, see that's interesting. Um I immediately mm-hmm. was reminded of uh, like deck building games. I think there's a similar sort of idea mm-hmm. that uh, that you basically have a set of well, I, I guess this time we're talking about more tiles uh, than than cards. But um, mm-hmm. as far as I understand it, you, you basically again sort of build, uh, you know. Uh, your, your, your tableau up, you know, again, usually spending, you know, I don't know, some sort of money or some sort of resource or something like that. But to be honest, I've, I don't know whether I've actually come across tableau building games that much. I mean, I'm probably going to be um, now uh, shown off because there's probably loads that I have played and just haven't connected that with tableau building. Yeah. So I, th- I think I better stop there and, and see what what your definition <laughs> is because <laughs> I'm I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> the first thing I'm going to tell you is that you've mentioned in the game today that's a tableau builder and that's Wingspan because you lay the cards out in front yes, of you okay. and you build your engine. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So you, you are familiar, but I they agree. It's an, it's an awkward kind of term because it's kind of it's kind of broad. So this is what I came up with. Um, so a game which has you lay out components, often cards, in front of you that you control or can use um, that can represent your game board. So sometimes you don't have a game board, but you have a set of cards that you can activate. Okay. Oftentimes, the objective is to create an efficient tableau to help you meet the game's victory conditions right so that's where i was going so yeah wingspan is a is a good example it's a good example, of it's that a good example definitely yeah combination yeah of the right cards together to get a good kind of outcome a couple of ones that i thought of when i thought about it i thought of many <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'll just roll off um something like race for the galaxy if you've ever ever played that so yeah, you have yeah I haven't. Pan- you, no, yeah, yeah, you, yeah i'm
1: aware of it yeah
0: yeah you lay them out in front of you space base is another one as well but this you get your own board but you build your tableau into it yeah but Spaceships. Um, Obsession is one where you use tiles. Actually, you build up your house in front, in front of you, and all the tiles are your rooms, and they do different things. And then, just to be fancy, I'll mention Bruges because I really love that <laughs> yeah, <game>. yeah. <laughs> And that's where you basically use your cards as houses in front of you, and then you put people into the houses as well. And so, these are all games without player boards, but where you lay stuff out in front of you that you can activate. So that's what okay, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. consider like. Yeah.
1: I think. I mean that that all makes sense as i say i don't think i've actually played <laughs> that many table building games i can't think of mm. wingspan i've i've played is the i suppose is a sort of tablet builder as well to some degree
0: mm. yeah yeah it is you put yeah it is definitely because you put those pieces in front yeah. of you as you buy the buildings and stuff yeah so
1: mm. um and then, yeah, I'm just <laughs> trying, trying to think. Um, maybe Bremerhaven mm-hmm. is another one, potentially. Yeah, so um, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to say, I haven't ever O'huaca. made a connection with that term as a tablet builder. Yeah. But
0: um, Another one I know you know is o- O'Huaka. Yes. <laughs> if I can pronounce it correctly. Oaxaca. <laughs> yeah, O'huaca. Thank you. You have it right. You can be the linguist of the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: um, so that's another one you lay You know, you have your things you buy and you put them out in front of you. So yeah, maybe yeah. there's more of them in your life that you just didn't know. Just about. didn't
1: think of. That way, I guess. I guess I'm thinking of those games more like an action selection type game. But yeah, they are more tableau building. Absolutely right.
0: But you're very right because your tableau is uh, is things you can use. So it is very much action selection. It's just they're your personal one, isn't it? So yeah, okay. So will we go for the definition? So
1: what? Yeah, what has BGG said? Shall I read that out again as well?
0: Go for it. Yeah, why (laughs) not? So in such a good job. Thank you. I'm good at
1: reading. In tablet-building games, each player has a visible personal array or tableau of components, as that's what you said, cards, tiles, player boards, etc., which they purposefully build or manipulate throughout the game by spending actions or resources, including mm. opportunity costs, whatever that may mean specifically, uh, and which determines mm. the quality, quantity and or variety of actions to which they have access Yay. throughout the game. The array is not really a place to store resources, there's a long definition, to plan out actions, yeah, to store a puzzle which must be manipulated, or something that impacts victory points, that yeah. impacts the so quality, quantity, yep. and a variety of actions which are accessible to a player. This means that some games may include an array or tableau, but not really be a tableau-building game. So there we go, that that's that so um, yeah
0: i like the first part of that I, I, i'm feeling very proud of myself right now with my friday morning work ethic
1: <laughs> i think i think you got it spot on <laughs> to be honest yeah so you covered all the points i do
0: play, I do play a lot of them to be fair i like to ta- i like tableau building i like having your own kind of personal stuff in front of you that you use and things like that you do get some interesting situations though where you have games where you build a tableau and other people can use things in your tableau. yes yeah yeah there's a
1: key flow something like that or key flower, yeah, one key of those. Keyflower,
0: exactly yeah where people can use your things. It's very me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I think for the most part that that makes sense. I think it's quite a popular type of game, isn't it? Top leveling like, now that we kind of. Well, apparently away,
1: so. But- I've, I've never thought about it that way, but yeah. <laughs> As I find out, normal yeah. people, <laughs> there's more <laughs> games than I'd realised. <laughs> <You're- so. laughs>
0: Uh, your homework is to go look at your collection and come back with a list of tableau builders you secretly own next
1: episode okay (laughs) i'll make make sure (laughs)
0: Uh, right then that leads us to
1: our last term bluffing do you want to talk about bluffing game
0: okay i'll talk about bluffing here here we go um so bluffing games ask you to deceive others or misconstrue the truth to other players for your own or a team's benefit you don't have to lie omissions often work and it's mostly used in larger group games
1: very good <laughs> wow yes yes <laughs>
0: You think you I've think done this before. <laughs> you definitely have prepared for this it's one. Something I it's something I should be good at with all my years of philosophy is defining things and shrinking things into single yeah, sentences. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, have you have the background the, yeah,
1: there. <laughs>
0: I'm glad all those years <laughs> paid off. <laughs> right it, so, um,
1: uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how much I can add to that. I was, I was going to say that they're usually also classified as social deduction games because that usually includes oh, yeah. bluffing I mean bluffing is a part of social deduction games usually so social deductions maybe a bit more about actually working out who people are and what they do but bluffing obviously is an element so you as I say you, you pretend to not have that information or you, you offer different information depending on what the rules allow whether you can actually outright lie or whether you just have to be quite clever and and to be honest I think bluffing is Quite often, I think, used in sort of heavier games as well, not necessarily as a mechanism as part of the rules, but obviously, if if you have a certain strategy in your game and and you don 't want other players to realize what you 're doing, you might be you know misdirecting people and say, "Oh, look over here, and you know why don 't you build your building over there and things like that So I think bluffing works throughout yeah. games, not necessarily as in you know in the sense of bluffing games, but you know I think we use it. Probably in in bigger games groups, as you say, when they have more people, quite a lot throughout without realising necessarily.
0: That's really interesting. That was such an alpha gamer thought you had about bluffing to your advantage in like more yeah. complex games. I'm like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> that's how people are really thinking, approach a game, because they know everything that's going on. <laughs> but to be fair, when we you know, play, I'm, I'm
1: always quite transparent. I don't, don't bluff, but I, I find mm-hmm. a lot of other players do bluff, and I'd never actually thought about that until I realized halfway through, oh, mm-hmm. hang on, they're actually intentionally not saying something or saying something else because they don't want me <laughs> to think about that. But as I say, in our games group, definitely, there's players who who do that. They wouldn't necessarily outright lie obviously but they might you know not respond or you know sort of you know indicate something else uh, so that they misdirect you in a different direction
0: that's interesting i wonder as well then on that vein of thought so there are games where um, let's say you've hidden information and i mean that in the sense of going to think of some real classic like acquire so people buy shares in buildings and You don't necessarily have to tell each other the number of shares you got. Yeah. So you can't. So so keep like you know that kind of secret information. I wonder, can you bluff in those kind of games too? Letting on you have more of something than you have, or you've less of something. Definitely,
1: yeah. and I mean, I suppose bidding games as well. You know, they're they're quite often about bluffing. You know, you you might bid up someone, not actually (laughs) intending to win the bid, but you're bluffing to you know. Try and make them spend more money than they, you know, they—that's really worth. you know So as I say, I think bluffing that's games as such are a category, but I think there's bluffing happening throughout a lot of games that you know without we absolutely think about that's really
0: it. Really clever. It's really good. I don't actually own many bluffing games because they're the kind of games normally you need to have um, a lot, a lot of people for. And I just, I just don't have it. I, I do have two that come to mind. Well, I only own two, as it turned out. So one of which is called Celestia. So this is a, this is the game where you're trying to get as far along in the row as possible as the captain of the ship and trying to convince everyone else to jump off along the way. Okay, and it's the kind of game that breaks relationships Yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> you have to lie, to lie to people's faces or pretend you're not lying. So it's kind of it's a fun kind of bluffing game. And then yeah. and then the one I think that most people are aware of is Spyfall, which is a very yeah. strange kind of bluffing game because. You have to bluff without really knowing what's happening. Like Spyfall, I think, is the most complicated game in the world to explain. I'll never forget trying to learn it. It was the most difficult thing. Have you played it?
1: No, I haven't. No, I haven't.
0: So basically the idea is that there's obviously this whole group of you and one of you is an outsider and the main group all get cards or locations telling them where they are and what kind of job they're doing. And the outsider doesn't know. Okay. So, they, so you proceed to ask each other questions to figure out, is this person aware of where we are together or do they not know where where we are? <laughs> okay. And so, and the outsider's job is to try and figure out where everybody is, um, without being figured out first. It's a it's a really strange one to explain. Okay, but that makes there's sense. there's a lot, a lot of bluffing in that, and also not just bluffing, but kind of side talking. I want to say where you're trying to talk around a particular issue without yeah. having to be yeah. direct. Maybe it isn't bluffing think about it but i think it is because you have to you have to pretend you have to pretend and avoid the truth or find out the truth well that's
1: plus bluffing definitely yeah yeah.
0: maybe yeah maybe what about yourself have you got a better range to choose from than i do i don't
1: i i, I don't think i really play bluffing games the only two well one that i think is a definite is coup and i've played that a few times and i that taught me i'm no good at bluffing um <laughs> And there's lots of other <laughs> players that are really good at it. Because I think a lot of bluffing games also require you to remember what people have, you know, cards have played or things have said in the past. And I don't mm-hmm. really like memory games because I, I guess my memory <laughs> isn't that good. I don't know. <laughs> but I found with Coop, I'm trying to bluff. And I don't think I normally get away with it, usually because I you know, pretend to have a certain card that I quite clearly can't have because it's physically impossible in the game or something like that, given you know, the game state. <laughs> yeah. So... I would avoid them, I suppose. But the other one that that I do love playing is Love Letter. And Ah. I don't know whether it's specifically a bluffing game because, really, you can't lie in this game. You have to be honest. So, you know, there there is no lying whatsoever. But at the same time, there are situations, depending on what card you play, you can try and misdirect someone. So, I don't know, have you played Love Letter before?
0: I have played Love Letter before. <laughs>
1: and I mean, you have situations, for example, the, the classic uh, moment when you have the countess. Mm-hmm. Normally, you have to play the countess if you have the prince or the king, and obviously, if the princess, you play the countess. But uh, our daughter developed that strategy of playing the countess, even though she had like a really low card, because then we suddenly thought, oh, hang on, she must have the prince or the, the king, <laughs> or, or even the princess. So you know, yeah. next time you you have a um, guard, you might guess those things. While well, she was holding on to handmaid or something like that. That so there there is even in that game, I think there's a fair amount of bluffing actually happening if if you play to that level once you've played a few more times and you know how it works you know intentionally playing a card that yeah. people think you you got the other card you've capped is a certain card, so that's I good. would you know I don't think people would necessarily call it a bluffing game, but there's certainly bluffing going on, but that's okay. the only other game that I enjoy playing, but other than that i'm I'm no good at bluffing really.
0: I like that example. It's really kind of like a fake out, you know, a kind of bluffing or, you know, that yes, like, yeah. there's quite a few games actually now that I think about it, do that kind of thing where I'm playing this card to make you believe that I might have this other one to go yeah. with it. You know, yeah. they're usually in, clo- in closed games where there's only a certain amount of cards each of you have, and you know each other's cards. You know, and you're you're yeah. pretending. You know what what might come next. That is a that's a really interesting type of bluffing. Actually, it's one you yeah, don't yeah. see that often in games. I think it's I think it's really interesting though when you're trying to outsmart your opponent like that. It's yeah, a, yeah. And
1: it's I, really I, I want to play more of those sort of games where you, we have that strategy and and basically, I mean, even in open information games where. Basically, everything is on the table and you could work it out. But there's, you know, I guess there has to be some element of hidden information. But yeah. even if you're just trying to basically, you know, make someone believe you're following a certain strategy when you're actually doing something else, because, you know, the next turn, you know, you have something ready to do. And I want to play more of those sort of games as well, you know, where you have a strategy that could actually be quite obvious but you're trying to misdirect the other players so that you can follow that through you know i quite quite like that element even though as i said i don't know how good i am at those sort of things um but it's certainly an element
0: I'm, yeah i'm terrible at those sort of games actually the, the one i can think of actually is a two-player only game and it's called Battlecon, and it's basically like playing street fighter you both have a, a hand of set cards that are identical and you have your own special ones for each character but your okay. opponent gets this all of your cards as you play so they're like you know what's available in their hand and what they've already used so you're trying to work out well they can play this one this round and do this or they might do this and then you're trying to play the counter cards to work it out it's it's um it's a head racking (laughs) it's probably the best way to put it like i can not think ahead very far but it is super clever in that idea of trying to work out what your opponent might possibly be playing or you can also you know you can fake things too um, yeah this is actually right, yeah, yeah bluffing has gone a lot broader than I thought yeah and no, I suddenly <laughs> thought it. Very good.
1: The, the, the one game uh, that might explain a bit further what I was saying earlier about actually open information games where strategy is important and, and bluffing is also important is a game like Scythe for example where literally everything is on the board oh. everyone can mm. see where your figures are everyone can see how much money you've got you know all the resources and things yeah. yet you mm. You might be moving in a certain direction, making someone think, and, and again it's it's a big element in Scythe is the, the threat of attack when you're not actually attacking. So you might move towards someone, they might think you they're you know you're about to attack them, but actually you're just trying to m- move mm-hmm. into a certain hex to then gain resources that you need and things like that. So there's I think there's mm-hmm. those sort of games I quite enjoy where you know the information is all there. So you could work it out, but you have to cleverly move and, and do certain things in an order so it's not obvious what you're aiming for and um, yeah i quite like mm. that sort of element of things
0: yeah that's good choice what did the definition say
1: board game geek says bluffing games encourage players to use deception to achieve their aims all bluffing games have an element of hidden information in them so yeah basically okay. what we've been saying
0: yeah yeah we're good at this yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. actually i didn't realize i enjoyed bluffing games that much so we talked about them yeah no, to be fair, yeah, they're in a lot more things than I had thought. I think there's quite a couple of unique ways to use bluffing other than, you know, pretend you don't have a particular card in your hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. Because, oh, so like there's, that. there's more to than just
1: outright lying. It's, 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 mm. it's much, much more subtle than that. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Ah, so are we ready for our big conversation of the month, I think? <laughs> of the month of this yes, episode. Yeah.
1: yeah, this episode, <laughs> I think it's better once a month, isn't it? Now so yeah, let's yeah, move so. to the big topic. Yay. So moving on to the big topic of this episode, small box game. I say big topic for small box games. <laughs> Do you see what I did there? Hey. Oh, Moving on swiftly. So let me just define roughly what I mean by small box games, because I'm sure some people will define it slightly differently. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I just want to sort of frame our conversation a little bit. And what I've written down is basically a game that comes in a box that is small enough to easily take with you in a small bag or by stashing in a rucksack or even a game that fits into your coat pocket. So we're not talking about... I mean, I don't really, There isn't this sort of size limit as such, but I'm sure there's. You know, everyone will understand. You know, can you easily take that with you, or do you have to like, you know, have a get a bag to put your game in? You know, does it fit like into the side pocket of a rucksack, or is there you know, a little bit of room in the top of your rucksack? Can you squeeze in that game? And then that sort of size, I'm thinking of also what i want to exclude is things like postcard or letter games they are to me another group of games where literally i think they're quite popular maybe we should do another topic but you know we basically subscribe and i think there's even patreons for them where you subscribe for like a pound a month and you get a postcard um or a little letter in the post once a month and it's got a little game in it it's nothing going to be amazing but again some of those ideas are amazing but to me the reason why i want to talk about small box games because it does obviously create certain restrictions purely because of the size and and, and people sometimes underestimate them
0: okay interesting because sm- like uh, my first question obviously is how small is small so yeah. you're talking ca- you're talking in carry size like for instance yeah. you could take carcassonne out of its box and carry the tiles in a bag you know with and, but i don't think that constitutes a small box game does it
1: well that that's the thing i mean, I mean technically carcassonne isn't and, and in fact mm. there's obviously carcassonne the big box which is yes. giant but <laughs> um, i'm proud to say i have actually taken carcassonne the big box out and put it into small small like plastic box oh. obviously you have to remove some components like you know school boards and things you might have to print out your own and maybe remove some bits i think in the Carcassonne big box mm-hmm. edition we've got there's like the wheel of fortune we've got the german one. i think that's what it translates that and that board is basically too big but if you print out your own little scoreboard and things like that you can easily stash it away and then yeah it becomes a small box game but technically speaking no carcasson isn't in itself it's a small mm-hmm. box so we're literally talking about games that that you know, come in a box. Mm. Saying that though, you know, you get some games um, which are literally like a deck of cards. They come in, yeah. come in this giant box, mm,
0: exactly. take it
1: out. And to me, that probably is a small box game, really. Okay. So there is a, is a bit of a gray area, definitely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I suppose you know what's the appeal of a small box game because um, I'm not sure I fully understand it. Because normally, when you think of buying a board game, you get you know those ticket to ride size boxes that go <laughs> on your shelves. Um, you know why would you know what's so appealing about them? What's you know what makes them different from regular games? You know why have they their own category? Yeah,
1: what what I find interesting about them because. Yeah, normally people say the bigger the better, you know, big shiny box, big gloomhaven box, giant, you know, with lots of miniatures and, you know, heavy and super table presence. And I absolutely get that. I mean, I love shiny games as well. I mean, I love Rising Sun that looks absolutely gorgeous on the table with all those miniatures and things. And it's great fun to play. But Small box games, I think, are interesting because they create quite a big design constraint, purely physically the size. Trying to fit something into a small box does limit what components you can have in there and, and what are the size of the components. And trying to get that right to make a game that is actually still playable, first of all, I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily mm. complex or anything, but just something that you can actually play as a game is quite difficult. You know, the obvious thing people think of probably is things like card games, you know, just a normal deck of cards is it's just a small box game really and you can play lots of different games with a deck of cards mm-hmm. but going for things in something like the mind that's a small box game and that already adds another level of of gameplay and and mechanisms and things and makes it a lot more interesting i think you know having that player interaction you can obviously then go smaller to things like mint games that are even smaller uh, mm-hmm. minted mini games smaller yet and and yet these games can be really quite interesting and and a lot of people I think think they're just light fun sort of party level games yeah. there's not 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 mm-hmm. strategy behind them, but you'd be surprised how actually complex some of these games are so and, and that's that's what I think makes them a separate category there's even uh, competitions for like minton. Uh, games. I think they've sort of started. Well, the earliest I could find was reference to 2015. They've probably been going for longer, but you know, game minting design competitions have been around for a long time because it is a limitation that it's actually quite hard to fit a game into. So if you can meet yeah. that, you, you have to be quite clever.
0: I'm- I wonder why people um, choose to put that limitation on themselves um, because obviously but having to compact things into a smaller box for start changes how yeah. a game works or gives you less room, I think, to really kind of expand your game or explore or to explore your game. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but <laughs> does, a, does a small box mean a less intricate game? Can you still have a complex game components?
1: Absolutely, I think you can. And I think there's games, I mean there's games like, I'm thinking Microbrew, for example, from On Free Elephant, that is actually quite a complex strategy game. I mean, there's a fair amount of luck, but just moving the pieces around on, on, so you've got your, I don't know whether you've played or whether you know it, but you basically have your little brew kettle and you've got walls in there and you have to sort of shift them around but they can only shift in a certain direction and you're trying to make patterns to fit a certain recipe that you then brew and things so there's quite a lot of mechanisms in this small box and there's lots of components in there and I know Munfree Elephant are very proud of having fitted all these tiny components into there and I know people have complained that that game is a bit fiddly but I played it and I enjoyed, it and I can see why it's fiddly. But again, it's perfect. It fits in a mint tin. There's loads of components and there, there's loads of mechanisms in there. And there's lots of thinking in there. It's not just a matter of rolling a few dice or playing some cards and, you know, hoping for the best. And it's a bit of a laugh. It is actually quite a lot of strategy in there and lots of thinking. So there, there is certainly an element in there that the size doesn't necessarily mean it's a lesser game. And quite the contrary, especially if you think of card games, I think, You know, coming from Germany, card games are sort of tradition, you know, I grew up with playing card games, and a lot of them are actually quite complex, abstract games, you know, I would say, the sort of strategy elements in there are comparable to games like chess, and it's just a deck of cards. So you can see that you can create quite complex games in a small box.
0: Oh, interesting. All right. So I if haven't played sense. as many. Small, I haven't played as many small box games as you. That's why I'm interrogating you about the topic. um <laughs> yeah. Just because it's something I'm, I'm curious about, but I haven't reached you know all the way into. I've come across a couple in my time, but do, are small box games always short ones? Like have we come across you know a small box game that you know is like ninety minutes? Are they, are they
1: always kind of quicker? No, not necess- again, not necessarily. I mean I, th- I mean, I think that's so important to, <laughs> to talk about this topic because it is it is all, all about this sort of perception of, oh, it's a small box, so it must be, as, especially recently, as I say, a yeah. lot of people say, oh, the bigger the box, the better. But these small box games, yeah. no, they, they can last a while. I'm trying to think. Microboo probably takes probably about 45, 60 minutes or so, depending oh, wow. on how quickly okay. you play it apparently you can actually buy two mintins uh, of uh, microboo and play them like three or four players as well so there, there's a way mm-hmm. of expanding that and i think that's quite clever mm-hmm. so no i mean the, the game length isn't defined by it and i think that what makes it so interesting i mean of course there, there will be plenty of mintin games out there that are literally just a matter of rolling a few dice having a laugh you know playing it for 5 yeah. 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. game is over and you play mm-hmm. another game and and again i think that's actually quite attractive about some of them and i, I think i've mentioned yeah. quite a few times now subquark and the mintin games that you know david yeah. and, and Kay produce and that are great fun they're not necessarily complex or difficult but ideal you take them with you we've played them in restaurants or pubs many times while we're waiting for food they don't take up much room I think that's the other advantage of the mm-hmm. small box games usually they're easy to carry but also don't take up much table presence so you can play them in you know on a train mm-hmm. or on a plane even potentially I mean I've not tried that <laughs> but certainly if you have a table in a train or something like that you can, can play them there in a, you know in a pub or restaurant and, and yes usually they are quite quick but not okay. necessarily the game length isn't determined so it, it goes both ways okay.
0: Yeah, that's kind of it's in- uh, <laughs> kind of interesting actually because i was i was i haven't played many myself i've played dice of pirates from thing 12 games yeah and i had a lot a lot of fun with that it came with a tiny ship in the tin i was like wow <laughs> and yeah know, it's, it's, a rolling, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing what they fit in and it's a rolling dice game but there was a, a very very clever mechanism to how you roll the dice um and i thought it was super smart considering you know how how little game there is but so much game at the same time and it got me thinking i suppose you know what kind of advantages do you have with a small box it's there's got to be you know a bunch of positives to it you know that people probably don't think about
1: no absolutely i I think uh, you know when you buy games these days quite often it's all about presentation in a shop so you get a as we mentioned before you get a deck of cards basically in a bigger box just so it looks nice in a shop and you know gets attention and and that's almost a shame i quite like you know if, if it's a of cards it should just be a small box if it's you know a few dies and a few pieces why do you stick it into a bigger box to make it look bigger than it actually is? And, yeah. you know, as I say, I've, I've repackaged games before. I've even repackaged King of New York um, into a smaller box. Ah. So that can actually fit as well. Again, we had to reprint the map to make it fit, but I wouldn't necessarily say we were able to put it in a, in a small, small box. Um, it's probably still a bit too big to easily carry around, but you certainly can. It's As I say, the advantage of the small box games is physically yeah. the size. So being able to quickly stash a game Game, you know take it with you so you might you know have games night you take a couple of bigger games and then you still have room for a handful of smaller games quite easily and i'm sorry if i keep quoting one free elephant but i think they've as far <laughs> as i've heard they've, they've they've made a video of um where they fit the microbrew game into the gloomhaven box but with all the gloomhaven components still in it and i think they've got like 15 tins into that space so it you know it shows you can you can actually take quite a few different games mm-hmm. you know that size and take them with you and you know say if you say if you go to a games night you have then a selection of games you can play as maybe as a starter game or as a game at the end of, if it is a quicker game or even as a main game if you have something that is a bit more involved i mean other examples of, of games that maybe take a bit longer are obviously the the mint works sort of uh, selection of you know the, the 525 laps mm-hmm games you know Mint Delivery, Mint yeah. Cooperative I think is their latest now mm. so again they are you know have more strategy uh, and take a bit longer to play so you, you can t- just have the space and and purely I mean I, I carry around with me and I, maybe that's quite sad but I do have Mins- <laughs> S- Mintin Mini Skullduggery and Mintin Mini Apocalypse from Subquark with me virtually <laughs> all the time so <laughs> if you see that's me in the street cool. and want to play a game of those say hello oh, and yeah, okay. as I say it's, it's the size is obviously a big bonus but also, quite often, these games, again, not necessarily, but a few of them are quite easy to explain, mm-hmm. so quite quick to learn, quick to teach. And then those games that are, are like that are usually also quite quick to play and don't take up much table presence is, is the main thing for all of them. They're, they're all of them, even though they're, they're you know, in a small box, which is great for carrying, but actually the table presence as well so if you do want to play them while you're out and about you know on a picnic table whatever it's it's absolutely spot on um you know you can't take gloomhaven with you on a bus or on a train (laughs) journey so
0: (laughs) i wouldn't want to try um i think the other thing the other thing that's actually really interesting about the small box games is they're i think they're very good for new players as you said um you know the rules are normally fairly easy to understand but also because of their price they don't cost the same as a big box game and i think it's a great entry for people into board gaming who don't want to invest a ton of money but still want to actually play you know full games um yeah. so I'm they aren't marketed that way more they seem to be this kind of niche thing at the minute uh, if you're into if you're into the tin games then you know <laughs> you want them all um yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah stand on the edges wondering what all the fuss is about <laughs> um i do think there's something very appealing about a game in a tin i'll say that as opposed to like about uh boxes very few games come in tins like the other one i can think of is forbidden island comes in a tin and it's a bigger game but the little games are are really interesting they're also really cute and i've i've got to think that they got to be good you know when it comes to storage
1: (laughs) yeah
0: no for for the size of one game you could store 50 (laughs) exactly exactly
1: that's another reason why i love them so much because you know my cupboard <laughs> space is limited yeah. so they fit in a drawer quite easily you can have like 10 games in a drawer no that's problem
0: fantastic. do you miss out though on things like artwork and stuff like that when the game is so small because normally the okay i'm just i'm just guessing here um hmm. for but from my own experience is that when you open the tenants of, it's usually there's a lot of components but you yeah. know that it isn't that you don't always get cards or things like that with things to look at it's all based on the the little physical things for the the game um how do you find that
1: yeah i mean uh, Yeah, no, you don't have a big... Box with lovely artwork on on the box, of yeah. course that that goes out of the window. Um, mm-hmm. but obviously with with things like card games, they can you know be beautifully illustrated. I mean, if you think of games, and I would include those in small box games, are things like you know Flux from Looney Labs or Citadels mm-hmm. from Z-Man Games, all these sort of gaming games, tiny epic boxes. Yes. I I'd, I'd consider still as small box games. And yeah. if you've played any of those games, you know with with a mind okay, maybe the illustrations are quite basic, but if you look at something like Citadels it's actually beautifully illustrated. Mm-hmm. So you get you know actually quite a lot of beautiful artwork in there and and uh, depending on the version you get of citadels you get love lovely plastic coins and things as well you know so there is some tactile part of it as well mm-hmm. and obviously certainly with the tiny epic range of games the the little the, little meeples you get and you have you know you can attach weapons and things you get something actually that looks beautiful on on the table as well and and quite often the boxes are used as well so you're actually using every millimeter every every inch of space that you have in the box and and every component has to count basically you know has to work twice as hard to create a really interesting game so no, you obviously so the table presence is different, but it doesn't necessarily worse. And and again I'm thinking of the subquar games. And again, you know, he's <laughs> a patron, so maybe I should I should just dis- as a disclaimer <laughs> but Mintin skullduggery. You know, the little skulls are in there that that are little beads basically. They're just, you know, they're tiny, but they're highly detailed and they're gorgeous and, and some games have little coins with them and, and they even come with like little meeples and things. So it isn't necessarily a, a worse game or a less beautiful game just because it comes in a mint tin. And in fact, as I was just saying, all of these components have to work a lot harder because you can't just add you know, a few more components to just add this little extra expansion or this different mechanism. Everything has to fit, and everything has to work really hard to create a really good game
0: that's true That's true I, actually you just made me it made me think there because I was wondering about artwork in small box games you mentioned Love Letter earlier yeah, and that's I wouldn't that to be very fairly small but um, and of course you can it's lovely artwork and all the 50 million different versions of Love Letter that are now available <laughs> yeah, yeah. but <laughs> we've been talking a lot about the tins but they're I suppose like card games and stuff are small, are small box games too yeah yeah definitely I, something I can connect with in the fact that I used to play Magic the Gathering for a number of years or maybe you can think about keyforge as well where it's something that you can have a deck in your bag or maybe two and you can go and meet somebody and sit down and play and it's interesting as well i suppose because they have quite card games tend to have quite a table presence you know when they're spread out in their tableau (laughs) 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 And, and whatnot in a way that i think some of the the tin games are different again so there's a big considering they're both small Box games—they're very different, aren't they? No, definitely.
1: I think that there is a wide variety, and and as I say, I think people possibly think of the small box games as sort of gateway games, mostly because a lot of them are certainly have been. You know, thinking of love letter. Uh, I mean, even thinking as you said, Keyforge and and Star Realms, and all the card (laughs) games—they tend to be you know quite simple to teach you know not very many mechanisms or, or rules to learn yet they do create quite a lot of player interaction and and well, not in a negative way but you know lots of gameplay and and interesting yeah. strategies and things so they they certainly do lots of different things and and there's a huge variety definitely it's it's as i say, i think People don't realize that they're out there, as you say, Uh, and it's it is it is a shame. You know, you were saying about the price point as well that they are cheaper, and and in fact, that can actually be another design constraint for the designer. So it's not yes. just the size, trying to think, okay, what can I actually fit into this box? But also, how can I make sure that the components and, and everything else, the production, fits into the price point as well and and still creating something that is actually quite interesting. I think that's why a lot of small box games are card games because they're usually easier to produce, not that expensive. Okay, you obviously have to pay for artwork and there's costs in there, but usually they're more straightforward because a deck of cards is something that's quite standard and and you can print even with your customer artwork. whereas Things like, you know, the micro brews and, and the, the tiny epic games and the subguard games, you know, they have lots of components in there that, that are different and they're quite often custom and things like that. So yeah. trying to create something that actually still makes you well enough money maybe to break even i don't think a lot of these people are very rich <laughs> making <laughs> lots of money of this even even if they're so successful but as i say then you get you know like success stories i think like like Mintworks has been a huge success they even ended up having to reprint it and as i say the tiny epic series i think of games has become quite popular as well so they're certainly becoming more and more popular but it's that sort of constraint that the size and the price when everything Creates that. I find fascinating how designers and, and developers solve those problems and come up with amazing games and the amazing gameplay.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder actually is the price, the low price, sometimes a detriment? To the the smaller games because people don't feel like they're getting as much of a game when you pay less yeah. for something. Yeah. You know. Although then again, people would be very suspicious if they were you know charging you know regular box regular box prices for small games. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do I do think it is is it something that people question that the by paying less I'm not getting as much of a game here that there's you know I think that's a a prejudice that might go against the smaller games. Like another example is the the wallet games from Button Shy Games. Like yeah. Things like sprawl Sprawlopolis and stuff like that, like a game so small it fits in your wallet, you know it sounds really cool, but there's something about that that instantly I think shifts your perception of board game comes in a box and it's got all this stuff takes like you know however long to play it and pairing it back like that is a, a different type of game and i'm not sure people really appreciate it just yet um because as you say there is a skill in creating these type of games like can mm. you can you imagine if you you know you like you're writing an entire novel and then they want you to actually you know actually make it fit in like a page yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know it's essentially what you're having to do here and I, I hope people's perceptions change the one thing actually that i think comes up a bit and I, i'm that's something i meant to i meant to think about more myself is that are a lot of the smaller games good for solo play i was trying to th- i was trying to think which one of the and if if any of the 10 games you could play by yourself
1: um, it's it's quite funny I, th- I think um small box games have the same I- i'd call it a problem um as bigger games a lot of them don't necessarily come with solo games um or solo versions okay. of the game but it is becoming more prevalent now which which i think is great yeah. um i mean i was i was um watching uh, uh, again sorry a twitter conversation between subquark david miller and i can't remember who else uh, about offering a potential solo variant for um the latest game because mm-hmm. you know I, I think as a designer creating solo games again is a different sort of skill set uh, which small box mm-hmm. companies of designers and developers and publishers don't necessarily have because they tend to be also smaller companies and smaller you know types of people yeah. so you know, having having that happen more is great. But, I mean, like, Microbrew has certainly as a solo variant, but I think a lot of those smaller games lend themselves, as I say, for taking with you out and about, and probably are, you know, there to while the time with someone else but as i'm saying that i realize mm-hmm. obviously a lot of solo players want exactly that while away the time while they're out and about somewhere so i think there is is a certainly an opportunity here to to plug that gap and and give solo players who you know are on the on the train commuting or whatever they might be doing to while away the time with a, a game that they can just fit in their pocket and, and replay and enjoy so there's certainly an opportunity in there but as I said, I don't think there are enough solo or enough um, games with solo variants uh, in that category like, like they are in the rest of the industry that you know, solo games seem to be, yeah, not really that much of a focus. But it's becoming more important, so it's great that, that that's happening.
0: It seems like the ideal situation really where you have something you can carry around in your pocket that you could pull out and play. So like Sprolopolis is a solo version, I know that. And of course there's like Assembly yeah. as well, literally just you know a a deck of cards really that you could bring that in your pocket and play that anywhere so there's a i think that it i think there's definitely something here to be said for a small game that you can take anywhere that you could play by yourself yeah yeah. although whether or not people would make the choice to either play a game on their phone you know the the phone versions of board games then to have the actual tin themselves I i don't i don't really know but it does seem like i suppose this is really funny because we're honing in on particular games we're familiar with I'm sure there are tons <laughs> more are, yeah, games yeah. we're just not even thinking about you know that, that we own and love I suppose I have a good few card games and things like that That that's more up my street but I'd never think about bringing them places oftentimes I like the the smaller games because they are usually quicker they usually have I think they have something or maybe the ones the ones I'll enjoy anyway certainly have some sort of twist so there'll be something fairly easy to do or understand but there'll be one little thing that makes. It really stand out. It makes it really interesting, or a tough choice, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You have to make, I suppose. I have more small box games than I think I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think maybe most people do, but um, they don't all necessarily have to be kind of those introductory level games, right? That there can be so much more to this. I suppose I've got one. Fi- I've got one final question for you. What would you recommend to someone trying a small box game for their first time? Um, like you know, <laughs> no, if you've never heard of this before today, and you're like, "Oh, I'd like to try something out." What, it, what
1: would you suggest? <laughs> um, it's always a hard question because it obviously depends on on who you are, <laughs> yeah. on what who you're playing with, and all that. Um, but again, I, I think there's a huge variety. I mean, we'll, well, we'll try and put all the links in the description of this um, podcast as well to all the various games that we've come across. And it depends. It depends what you want. But if if you just want to try. Something that's quite quick and easy and and just fun to play, uh, I definitely recommend you looking at subquark games, the tin games. um they're, they're all fun, they're all a good laugh, and they don't take long. You know, take fifteen minutes at the at the max to play. So they they are ideal if you just literally just want to have something in your pocket you can take with you and just play with literally anyone. It, it takes five minutes to explain the rules of most of these games, and and off you go and you play and you have fun if you want something more complicated then i'd probably look at things like the uh, microbrews the midworks types of games i mean assembly obviously being the uh, another more more complex game that should give you you know a good fun game something you might want to play you know in the evening with with your partner or with friends they probably take a little bit more time to explain but they're great fun you know i'm just thinking if the reason why you want a small game is because you want to take it out and about with you and, and play with anyone so so, sort of subcard games are probably the, the better f- match there and then obviously a lot of those sort of card games you know the Star Realms the tiny uh, sorry the, the, the Mind uh, Flux Love Letter mm-hmm. Citadels all those sort of games you know Coup even they, they all I think fit that bill as well they're quite easy to take with you and, and play with your friends in a pub because they don't take up much room because mm-hmm. you know card games a lot of them you ha- hold a lot of cards mm-hmm. in your hand and, and the ones that are out don't usually take up much space so as I say it it, de- it does depend if you've never gone into that sort of realm of small box games i highly recommend Subquark. they're, they're just beautiful games handmade games you know it's it's to whole the backstory with it just just go on their website and, and read how these games are made it's they're just absolutely gorgeous and wonderful so i love
0: those <laughs> i suppose like if i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend something i don't own many small box games but um i do enjoy card games and i'm very picky about what card games are like but this is one that stands out and i do think you could it's got a lot of ease to be able to bring it places i like i like that definition of that you should your game should be mobile like that you should be able to bring it with you to define it yeah. as a small box game it's a really good choice um and i'm gonna go with epic the card game oh yeah and this is kind of like Any of those Magic: The Gathering type games where you play cards from your hand, you've spells and creatures and whatnot. But the cool thing about it is, is that you only need—I think it's um, thirty cards for your deck, and you can pick cards up at random. You don't build a deck or anything. You literally just put a a pile of cards next to you and you play. You play them. Okay. And it's really straightforward. It's really fun because all of the the title says it all. All of the cards in that you can play are amazing. Everything's (laughs) brilliant. So you draw a new card, you're like, "Wow, look what I drew!" (laughs) And then your opponent does something ridiculous, and you're like, "Ah." so unfair! And then you've something else. Everything in the game is indeed epic. The artwork is lovely, and it's a really fun little two-player card game. And I know it's the kind of thing if I was going somewhere and I had some time to kill, I think that's the one I would bring with okay. me. But yeah, I definitely I want to look. I must look into some of these um, a, li- a little bit more. I'm still trying to get over the idea of I've bought a board game that didn't come in a box. Yeah. But it might just be the fact that I suppose I don't go out of lot, <laughs> <more. laughs> so I don't even need to bring my game with me.
1: <laughs> a lot of I think a lot of games. Gamers in the industry, they they play it in like a games group or with a family or things like that. So they only think, oh, "I'm going to play it," you know, at the kitchen table, um, and that's absolutely fine. That works, and I, you know, I understand that. I completely get that. But at the same time, it is you know, once yeah. you get into the small box games, you know, the lot of times I've I've literally taken the game out and we played it in the pub while we're waiting for food, or you know, mm-hmm. taken on holiday with us and, and played it somewhere out and about. It's it certainly if you know, depending on obviously. <laughs> what you do and and, and who you're spending your time with. But I I do think you find that it's quite enjoyable just literally being about while you're waiting for something or you're traveling from A to B, get the game out rather than get your iphone out and listen to a podcast i well, always listen to this podcast um but uh, you know or listen to the podcast and play a game and it's just you know it's it's just fun it's a different type as i say usually of gaming it's not these sort of long six hour games that you know spend you can spend the whole evening playing but it's certainly worth trying
0: definitely so there you go you've got some things to go and look up and think about um and see if you're interested yeah, i think i think it's the kind of the kind of games that'll fit particular types of people that'll fit Fit really neatly into their lives and the way they approach yeah. and play games hopefully that's you and you can go and you can go and check them out i think that wraps up this. i session. think
1: it does and i'd wrap up the <laughs> podcast as well so i hope everyone enjoyed listening to this and uh, yeah i learned something from our definitions and the you know topic and as always yeah. i think all we really have to say at the end is ask everyone please subscribe mm. to this podcast and, and review it and give us some stars if you're on um, Apple Podcasts, as it's now called, rather than iTunes. And um, yeah, just um, and, and look obviously in the uh, description uh, for the links to Antoinette's uh, pages and, and videos and, and my blog as well. Uh, there's all there. And other than that, obviously, if you're looking for this podcast, we are available anywhere. You know, on Spotify, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, and Feedburner, and I don't know what else. There's all these things. And on, obviously, iTunes.
0: <laughs> I heard we're on LinkedIn now. <laughs> and yeah. We're everywhere. We're, we're literally we everywhere it. now. <laughs> so you, you should miss us. But
1: yeah, check our description with all the links <laughs> there in there. And obviously, all the games we talked about there are in there as well. Yeah,
0: perfect. So well, thanks for being here, everybody. And we look forward to the next episode. Thank you. Take care. bye. Bye-bye.